So we have been talking about giving through this uh, month, and we are coming each week ready to put something in the offering plate, even though many of us pay with checks, uh, our tithe, or due bank drafts. So as we pass the offering in a little while, we'll receive our uh, offerings as a gift unto the Lord, and also those info tabs we'll receive from you. We have been looking at Proverbs chapter 3, which is an amazing chapter in the Bible. I know you're familiar with it. It was quoted yesterday in the funeral. Someone quoted uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and I thought, you know, it really is very present, this chapter, in our churches and in how we do our, our spiritual lives. And to sort of summarize, wisdom is applied knowledge that conforms to the character of God. So wisdom is applied knowledge that conforms to the character of God. It's not just you knowing things. It's actually you knowing and doing things. It's, it's disciplines that are worked into our lives by the Holy Spirit. That's what wisdom is. So it is both the knowing and the doing. And we have looked at six disciplines as we've come through chapter 3 of the book of Proverbs. We started out with that first verse, my son, do not forget my teachings, but keep my commands in your heart. That's the first discipline, because it's going to give you long life and peace and prosperity. That's the reward. So we said, better returns. Keep the commandment in your heart. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. That's the second discipline. We are to hang love and faithfulness around our neck and write them on the tablets of our heart. And we'll find a good name in the sight of God and man. That's the return on that. And then, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Verse 5 of this chapter. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And what will be the return? He will direct your steps or He will make your paths straight. And then a uh, fourth discipline, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So that is a fourth discipline, that we are not to be haughty and conceited about what we know and who we are, how much we've studied and how high we've gone in our education. We're not to be haughty about that. Instead, we're to trust in the Lord. We're to not be wise in our own eyes. And then that fifth discipline, honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your increase. Right there with these great spiritual disciplines about trusting in the Lord and love and faithfulness never leaving you is this discipline that you honor God with your wealth and bring Him the first fruits of all your crops and all your increase. So there's a relationship to the material world that is being highlighted for the one who believes in God. And part of it is that we return to God a portion of that which He gives us as a regular part of our worship unto Him. Uh, the Scripture then moves to that text about discipline. And we talked a little bit about that last week and how we are not to despise the discipline of the Lord. And we're not to resent his rebuke. And so the wise person is saying, you know, we are to trust in the Lord and we're to bring him our first fruits. 
But there sometimes comes difficulty and hardship. And we should not suppose in those instances that either we have been unfaithful to God or He is unfaithful to us, but instead respond in the troubles of life with faith, trusting the Lord and exercising the other disciplines, even though the times are difficult and we have had hardship. So this is wisdom. Wisdom is you trusting in God with all your heart, letting love and faithfulness never leave you, but writing them on the tablet of your heart. This is wisdom. You not being wise in your own lives, but fearing the Lord and departing from evil. This is wisdom. Applied knowledge that conforms to the character of God. Because in verse 19, where we start today, we jump right into the discussion of wisdom, and I want to read it for you. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, He set the heavens in place. By His knowledge, the watery depths were divided, and the clouds let drop the dew. My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. Wonderful returns, wonderful yields in this life of wisdom that acknowledges God. Lest you feel that the wisdom of God is only about small matters. Lest you suppose that the Proverbs are like our little jingles, a stitch in time saves nine, or a penny saved is a penny earned. Lest you suppose that these Proverbs are on that level. The writer goes to this grand panorama of wisdom. And he backs up and he begins to look at what God in his wisdom did in creating the world. And I want you to see this grand panorama of wisdom, all right? By wisdom, the Lord laid the foundations of the earth. And through his knowledge, he set the heavens in place. In other words, the wisdom of God which we are talking about in this chapter. These are the principles and the knowledge by which God created the world and everything in it and holds it all together. This is huge. This is natural law. This is what you observe in the natural world. God, at work in His universe with wisdom laying the foundations of the earth. I right now am standing on a pile cap. The pile cap is anchored in several uh, pilings that are driven 130 feet below us into the ground and there are hundreds of them sprinkled all throughout this room. And on top of these pilings are these pile caps and when they poured the pile caps I thought I've never seen uh, 
concrete like that poured into a foundation. The pile cap underneath me is 10 feet thick. It's about as large as my living room. And there are pile caps scattered throughout here. Sometimes people will come and say, Say, Crosby, can you feel that train when it goes by? Well, there were two things we asked. We don't want to hear the train. We don't want to feel the train when we're having church. And when I'm standing up here, I cannot feel the train. It may be shaking other places, but it does not shake here. And I can't hear that train. That's how they engineered this room. Now, think about the foundation that's under you. Before we ever started putting steel up in this building, we spent lots of money laying a huge foundation. Well, God is the one who laid the foundation of the earth. You say, well, what does it mean, the foundation of the earth? The rules of nature that keep this planet in its orbit and the galaxy in its place. I was visiting with a young couple who had never been to New Orleans before, and I took them to Lake Pontchartrain, which they had never seen, and they were amazed at how big that lake was. And we were looking out across Lake Pontchartrain, and we could see that bridge in the middle of the causeway that goes up where they bring the barges under. But the road itself disappeared before you got to that bridge and after it. Where we were sitting, you could not see the causeway, but you could see the bridge. And the young man said, that's amazing. The earth curves enough that I can't even see the causeway 12 miles out. When you think about it, it is amazing. Here we are on a spinning globe that God made. He covered it with 87% water the teeming waters of the ocean that are thousands of feet deep in their deepest points. And they are in this amazing arc all around the world. And why they do not spill out of this planet when you think about it. It's it's astonishing. God holds us on the planet and he holds all those amazing seas on the planet. It's the foundations of the earth. It is God setting the world in its place and dividing the waters, deciding about the weather patterns and all those things. This wisdom of which we speak that God wants to have implementing in your life is the wisdom by which he made the world and everything in it. It's an astonishing thing. And it's a wonderful thing because you can see this wisdom. In fact, Kenneth Collins, who is now the president of the National Institute of Health and wrote the book, The Language of God, while he was president of the Human Genome Society and mapping the DNA of the humans. He said uh, that God's language is in creation. Now, Stephen Ash has been examining cells with an electron microscope, and he tells me that there's DNA in every cell, and you can't even see a cell, but if you could unravel the DNA in one of your cells, do you know that it would be nine feet long? That's astonishing to me. 
something I cannot even see that has the code that will direct the development of my body and that code is nine feet long. And Kenneth Collins says, when I look at DNA and I think about the human body, it is God speaking to me and the scriptures even say, the heavens declare the glory of God. They're saying something to you when you look up in the night sky and you see the moon and the sun as it comes up in the morning. They are speaking something to you. They are saying to you of the glory of God. And the firmament shows His handiwork. Amen. I want you to think about the immediate availability of wisdom to you. You have a backyard. Next time you open the door and go, go out to the backyard, I want you to pray. Lord, give me wisdom. And when I come back through this door, help me be smarter than I was. Help me be wiser. Say, why would, why would you think you'd get wisdom in the backyard? Well, the proverb says, consider the ant, oh, you sluggard, and be wise. You got any ants in your backyard? You ever watch the ant and how hard he works? Jesus said, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. You want to know more about God? You're interested in the character and nature of God? You want to know how God loves you? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not dressed like one of these. If God takes care of the lilies, which are here today and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more take care of you, O you of little faith? Jesus said, do you have any flowers in your backyard? There's wisdom in the examination of those flowers and the natural world. Jesus said, consider the ravens. They do not uh, sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? There's something to be learned as you go through the garden of your backyard, as you stroll through your neighborhood, as you look at the flowers and the birds. If you're paying attention, you can see the magnificent law of, of God even in these things He's planted all around you. And so the Scripture says, do not let them escape your sight, this wisdom and knowledge of God. Pay attention to what God has provided for you all around you in the world. You walk into one of these great hospitals where scientists have been laboring away on all the little aspects of the human anatomy. I can't walk into one of them without saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you for all the wisdom that you've given us, the knowledge you've allowed us to have about the human body. Amen. You know, over 600,000 people died in the war between the states. You know what most of them died of? Infection. They were shot, they were stabbed, but the wound itself was not fatal. They died of infection. If we were living in 1900, our average life expectancy would be 40 years. Today it's 80. A baby born this year is likely to live 80 years and be healthier than generations in the past. Why? Because God has allowed us to unlock some of these secrets in the natural world. A scientist studies the natural world, and I'm glad they do. God uses them to help us flourish, and it's important what they do. God wants us to see. He wants us to pay attention 
to the world that he has made. Because these rules that operate out in the world, they operate in our life. You see, you have the great panorama of wisdom that God creates the universe and hangs the stars in space. And these same laws that applied when he made all that there is apply in your life right now, today. It comes down to the very intimate details of your life. What you observe in the natural order is connected to how you speak to your friend when you walk into the lobby. What you think about when you see the stars and the sun and the moon and and you see all that God has made is connected to how you feel as you lay down at night in your bed. I watched as they cranked up those great panels underneath the Huey P. Long Bridge. It was an astonishing engineering feat to expand that old bridge like they did. I suppose it's one of the great engineering feats that have happened in my tenure here in New Orleans. It was amazing. Thousands and thousands of of tons of steel connected underneath that old bridge to make it safe and, and expand its roadway. The laws of physics and and nature that they use to expand that bridge are the very laws that they use to make those tiny little implants that they put in the human body. Those uh, hearing aids that they put in our ears and all the little things that they do. It's the same laws. It's the same rules. And it's also the same thing that pertains to your individual life. So wisdom in you is you connecting to the great God who made the universe and allowing his character, which is evident in all that he had made, to shape you and your decision-making and who you are. So the scripture moves us from the grand panorama to the immediate accessibility and availability of this wisdom and then to the intimate detail of wisdom. Wisdom will bring life to you. Wisdom will adorn you better than any jewelry. This wisdom, it looks good on you. If you practice love and faithfulness, if you trust God with all your heart, If you live not in fear, but in faith, every conversation you have, there will be a sense of God's wisdom on you. When you meet friends at school, when you talk to people at work, and love and faithfulness is bound around your neck and is written on the tablet of your heart, and you are trusting in God even as you speak, there's an adornment about that. It makes you handsome. It renders you beautiful. It adorns you better than anything you can buy at the store. It is one of the yields of wisdom. One of wisdom's returns is that people leave a conversation with you and they're thinking, that person knows the Lord. Or that person has a peace about them I wish I had. There's a confidence about who they are in the world. I mean, they speak with confidence and, and live with confidence. I wish I had that in me. You see, it's an adornment. This wisdom God wants to give you adorns your life and adorns your soul. And it makes you beautiful inside and out. And it's impressive to people that you run into. And you just let your light shine as you talk out of this wisdom of love and faithfulness and trust and and not depending on your own understanding but relying upon God, honoring Him with who you are. 
and everything you do. And when the difficulty comes and the hardship comes, they watch you especially close. You know that, right? Those friends, those neighbors, they watch you especially close when the bad things happen to you because they want to see how you respond when trouble comes your way, when difficulty is yours, when things aren't fine anymore, and they know you have suffered loss and hardship. They want to see how you respond and who you are, and that's the moment when the wisdom of God and the character of God revealed in your life is most powerful. Here's the place where the love and faithfulness shine through like in no other place. It's why we come to the cross over and over again. There are so many places we could go to see who Jesus is. But where we go is to the cross. You go to the cross to see who he is and how you ought to live when life has come apart and difficulties have come upon you. The scripture says, consider him in your trouble, him who endured such suffering and hardship so that you will not grow weary in your own path. God's up to you, uh, up to something in you, even in the hardship and difficulty that comes upon you. So God wants to shine his wisdom through in the details of your life. The scripture says here in this text, he will guide you safely and keep you from stumbling. I hate to stumble. Does anybody here like to fall down? It's embarrassing, isn't it? You're going out to church, and all of a sudden you take a misstep, and you fall down in the steps. You want to get up quickly so nobody knows you fell. And so you're trying to get yourself together, and I mean, it's tough. Nobody wants that. Graham was running yesterday. He's three and a half, and he's running after a ball, and he's just tearing along there, and all of a sudden he catches his toe, and he falls flat on the sidewalk. And oh, he's so upset. And you know, he's not upset because he's hurt as much as he's so frustrated that he fell down. That happens to you morally and spiritually. It happens to you in regard to your character. It happens in regard to decisions and to that besetting sin that stays after you and you can't seem to get rid of and overcome. And you fall down and you just are so frustrated. And you're laying there and thinking, why can't I win over this thing? Why have I fallen again? Why do I keep falling down? It is wisdom that keeps you from stumbling. You see, you connect to the character of God. And God's wisdom in you gives you the strength you need to stay on your feet. But the grace of God is so sufficient for anyone who falls down. We all fall. We all stumble. I've stumbled some whoppers. And so have you. Listen, God's grace is sufficient when you stumble. You don't have to lay there. You don't have to give up. The enemy will say to you, you stumble and fall because you don't fit in God's family and you're not really a Christian and you're a mess and that's all you are and the enemy wants to tell you and give you his his identity but God's grace fits when you're laying flat and the scripture says a righteous man falls down seven times and what does he do he gets up again and that's what God wants to do in your life somebody here 
has stumbled and you're frustrated with yourself, you fell again. You come into the prayer, place of prayer and you say, God, here I am again, needing to confess the very same thing that I did last week. And God wants to give his grace, not only in that instance of your stumble, but give his wisdom so that you can walk without falling down. You settle into his wisdom as you bind love and faithfulness around your neck, as you trust him with all your heart. He wants to do that in you. The scripture says here, he takes away the anxiety of sudden disaster. He takes away the fear at night, and he gives you sweet sleep. Oh, I wish I could get one good night's sleep. Most of us don't go to sleep because we have too much stuff eaten at us. There's too many things going on in here, and we can't seem to get that peace that allows us to really sleep. Well, that was true of the ancient person as well. And the proverb says here, in God's wisdom, he will give you sweet sleep. There is a quiet integrity to this whole passage here where before the rewards of wisdom were great and, and wonderful, more precious than silver, more costly than gold. Nothing you desire compares to this wisdom. And now we have a wisdom that gets into the intimate details of our life and gives us peace and rest and takes away the fear of sudden disaster. Do you have the fear of sudden disaster? Are you worried that all of a sudden the world is just going to come apart on you? Does it stress you out, all the anxieties of the world? I don't know that there's ever been a generation that lived with, with so much present all around the world. There never has been. I mean, immediately we know all of the bombings that take place, wherever they may be, from Indonesia to Europe to here. And people didn't know that. Back a hundred years ago, they, they read it in the paper a week later. And here we are with such immediate detail about all the problems in the world. And everywhere I go in the body, brothers and sisters, listen, I love you. And there's so many times I'm out in the body and people are fearful. And they're fearful of sudden disaster and of some ruin that's going to come upon us. That the economy is going to unravel and this and that and the other. The wisdom of God settles you down. It takes you out of dependence on even the economy or the political situation into a spot where you are standing in the foundations of God, where your life is structured like the universe is structured according to the, to the law of God, and that's where you're living, and you find your security and your peace right there. That's where God wants you, wants you standing, wants you anchored. Not in all that stuff that changes every day. He wants you anchored in Him. He wants to do for you what He did for the universe. He established the foundations of the world, and that's what He wants to do in you. He set the stars and the heavenly bodies in place, and He wants to set you in place. His wisdom does that. I so recommend that you know Jesus as Savior because He is God's power and wisdom. You know that. 
Jesus, the wisdom of God, and the power of God, the Apostle Paul says. The Apostle Paul says, in Jesus are all the wisdom and knowledge of God. Here you have Jesus as Lord and Savior. And you are to live your life submitting to his rule and calling him Lord in every situation, every word that escapes your mouth. Every contact you have with with others. Jesus is Lord in you. And the proverb says here, if you will live in this wisdom, the Lord will be by your side. You will know he is present. God, God doesn't leave us even when we fall down. But there's a way in which he is by your side as you are practicing this life in his presence. Anchored in him, walking with him, person of prayer, praying as you go into the world, Lord, help me be wiser today when I get back for having seen all that you've done in your marvelous creation. Show me your glory, even in the people around me. Help me to pay attention and listen. The scripture says, if any lack wisdom, let him ask of God and it will be given. Say, well, when do I ask? You ask when you're about to leave your house, when you're about to walk out into the world, when you're about to have a conversation with a friend. You can always say, Lord, give me wisdom. Help me come away from this more like you. Conform to your person and your character more than I've ever been before. This life of which we speak is not the usual life. The usual life is you just go for big number one and you pile up as many toys as you can before you die. And that's what life's about. Try to avoid any pain. This life of which we speak is the life of following Jesus. It's a life where Jesus is Lord. And we are trusting him in every way. Our identity is we are his own. And he is ours. And this is our security, our comfort, and our peace in the world. And when the trouble comes... He is right there by our side, never leaving us or forsaking us and providing always just what we need. Bow with me, please. If you've never trusted Jesus as Savior, this would be a great moment to do so, to just bow your head and say, Lord, I I followed my own path so often. Please forgive me for going after other things making them my desires instead of you. I ask you to come into my heart and be my Savior and Lord. Would you pray that prayer of surrender unto God? Maybe you've already done that, but you're lying flat from a recent stumble. And your prayer needs to be, oh God, give me your grace today. Help me stand back on my feet, put my shoulders back and know that I'm forgiven. Lord, I pray for that person who has fallen the farthest, that today they will know your grace is greater than all their sin. God, show every one of us the grace that extends beyond our stumbles, our frailty, our failures and loss, the grace that rescues us even in the darkest place. Thank you, God, for an amazing love that reaches down even though we don't deserve it, and brings us into your presence. Thank you for Jesus, 
who died on the cross for us and paid our sin debt. Lord, we pray today that how we leave this worship center will be honorable to him. In his name, amen.